Like Family with Brenda Donoghue. In this edition of Like Family, we find out how important family support is to elite sporting success. I wouldn't be the elite athlete I am today without them. You know, everyone wants to know you and you're successful, but your family are the ones that are there on the bad days. And you can join the conversation on Twitter at Brenda Donoghue or email brenda at rte.ie. I'm beginning the conversation at the Salmon Leap Canoe Club in Leakslip in County Kildare. I'll open up the doors now. Okay. There. It'll be a little loud. That's so fine. Mind your ears. Um, okay. I'm in the company of Jenny Egan, Tokyo 2020 Olympic hopeful and multi-award winning canoeist from a family of canoeists and we're in the boathouse overlooking the River Liffey. Apart from Newbridge, I have never seen the Liffey look more spectacular. <laughs> and you know, some people ask me, are there days when you're in a training, hard training session, but you just have to think, wow, isn't this beautiful and take in the scenery? And you know, there's not many days that you get to kind of be like that, but there are those days, especially when you're training at 7 a.m. and the sun is rising and the sky is bright orange, red, pink, and you just think to yourself, this is amazing, how lucky I am. This club has been part of your DNA and your family's DNA. Yes, my whole family, my mum, my dad, my brother, and now John Simmons, my fiancé, he's actually the club coach. So it is very much a family affair and they've influenced and helped me on this path and journey to coming here. It's a lovely spot. I better go, we better go meet some of the family. And indoors, Jenny's family is waiting. And I asked to see the bronze medal she won in the most recent Canoe Sprint World Championships. Look at that. This medal was very hard fought for over the years, but also on the day in the race. Um, You could say I didn't make the race easy for myself. Um, I didn't have a very good start. And I was back in between 15th to 19th position. And I said to myself... It's now or never, Jenny, so just go for it. So I put in a burst of speed and I got up into that league group and I said to myself, Jenny, just hang in here, hang in here. And thankfully, I felt good enough to hang in there and cross the finish line in a bronze medal position. Do you feel the medal that you're holding on to there and you won't let me have? (laughs) (laughs) You can have it there, Renda. (laughs) Do you feel that that's a culmination of I suppose, a life's work and all the people who've helped you. Yeah, like, I don't like to say this is my medal. This is our medal. Um, It's split in many uh, quarters and, uh, sorry, a little bit emotional now. (laughs) Yeah, so um, it's many years of hard work to get one of these. Yeah. And mum has given her a hug there. But when when you got the medal... Who did you look out to the crowd to? <laughs> my mum and dad. Yeah. And then Pete was on the phone in tears at the other end because he'd watched it on the live stream. So, yeah. yeah. And then my fiancé also. And then Siobhan was pregnant with Isabel at the time. So she was uh, pushing me all the way to get that medal. And she's here with us now today. So, yeah, it's great. Now, I'm going to give you a minute to recover because I need a minute to recover. I'm going to go to, to dad here. It had to be... Probably the best race I've seen ever from her. And I could not believe, I could not believe watching how she pulled back up, you know. World Championship medals around the world are very scarce. 
Do you want to come in there, Peter, on that? It's taken her 17 years to get to that. So she chipped and chipped away and she just plugged and showed her determination. And how did that make you feel? Oh, I was, I was ecstatic. I was at home. Mm. Jen didn't have a good start, but the rest of it was raced perfect. And the problem is the camera, of course, like any sport, follows the, the leader. Leaders, yeah. So we just saw the front five or six that were changing the lead and making moves. And then, like, next thing I noticed, Jenny, the, the camera panned back for some of them coming through the short lap turn. And I was like, and Siobhan was like, no, that's her. Next thing she appeared and she was on the lead camera shot. And we were just like... <sighs> <laughs> when they were passing the, when she was passing the stand and catching up you could hear Irlandi, Irlandi, Irlandi <laughs> and there was only about five supporters there for Ireland but the, I mean the whole crowd had got behind her because she came back from such such a position mm. and it was just fantastic like you know little Ireland here we are <laughs> I'm wonderful Jenny and sometimes for a top top athlete particularly doing a solo sport it's a lonely road but your brother's your trainer, your mum and dad are there the whole time. Does that make it less lonely, I suppose? Yeah, for sure. And my fiancé, John Simmons, he's also my coach along with Peter. So, you know, it's completely a family affair. And they're the ones that are there that pick up the pieces when things aren't going well. You know, you have more disappointments than you have highs, let's say, in sport. But you really have to learn from those disappointments and I've learned a lot over my years as an athlete and a person and with maturity you learn how to deal with those disappointments and you know it's very important to have passion number one but then you also have to be resilient and determined. Jenny trains all the time with the men and I think that has been a big part of her success because it's tough and as a famous guy I just talk about it you probably heard of him but I remember one of his last statements uh, that I heard him talk about was he was a Galway hurler and he was Tony Keady. I know, yeah. Yeah, Tony Keady. He said, mm-hmm. when you get inside the chalk, it's all about you, what he means when you got on the pitch. And when you get on the water here, it's all about what you can do. What has happened in the coaching, what has happened off the bank, in the gym, running, everything, you've got to bring that onto the water and deliver. And it's only you can deliver that. Yeah. Peter, do you want to come in? When you're in the boat, when you're in a boxing ring, you're on your own in there. It doesn't matter who's in your corner, who's in the grandstand, who's with you where. Your own mindset is what you have to focus on. Your own boat, your own paddles, your own race plan, your own thoughts. And you have to be able to manage them and hope that it comes together when that gun goes. As... Somebody watching, somebody you care about, and you've worked very closely with doing that. Is that not horrendous? Like, to actually watch it. I'm coming to your mum. What's it like? Awfully stressful. Yeah. <laughs> For all of us, before and during and after, depending on the results, of course. But and can you watch the race? Oh, I do watch. Do I couldn't you? not. I'd have right. to, yeah. I would have everything crossed, fingers, toes, knees, arms, the whole lot. and Lots of prayers said. <laughs> And, you know, it's funny because when you talk about what makes a top elite athlete, you've got your physicians, you've got your psychologists, you've got your trainers, you've got everything. How important would you think, Jenny, your family support is to make you the elite athlete that you are? Oh, it's crucial. 
Um, I wouldn't be the elite athlete I am today without them. It's it's that simple. You know, like I said before, they're there to pick up the pieces on the bad days. You know, everyone wants to know you and you're successful, but your family are the ones that are there on the bad days no matter what. So to have that support on those days are the ones that rise you up then for the magical occasions and special competitions that you cross that finish line. It's one thing winning the medal, but it's the people that you get to celebrate afterwards with is the most special to me. And um, that's the best, being able to celebrate with your family afterwards. Um, that's extremely important. That's Jenny Egan and her family, Angie and Tom, brother Peter, Siobhan and baby Isabel. And I'm with Dr. Kate Kirby. She's head of performance psychology at the Sport Institute Ireland. Kate, you have heard Jenny and you can hear that our family are full square behind their athlete. So how important is family support to elite athletes? Oh, it's it's critical. I mean, nobody gets to elite level without having gone through the developmental stages of their sporting career first. And the parents are the 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 key in getting children involved in sport and in sustaining their involvement in sport until they're able to do it on, on, on their own steam as, as they become adults or young adults. So, you know, you see there's loads of evidence out there around kids whose parents are sporty tend to stay in sport longer so parents have a responsibility as role models I guess but also then they provide the financial support the transport the emotional support so they're they're a key cog in the wheel really. We've heard Jenny's story there and her family are very involved in what she does but then when she's there and she's in competition she is on her own in that boat so how have the family helped build her resilience. You know, you have to perform for yourself um, and you find that the best athletes do it with their family rather than for their family. So what you find with younger athletes and you talk to them, you say, what do you, you know, what do you enjoy about your sport? Oh, I enjoy making my parents happy. That rings alarm bells for me. It should be, I love seeing myself progress. I love the hard work. I love feeling fit. They're, they're things that are indicative of internal drive. And Jenny obviously has that in spades. She talks about her own drive. Um, and that inner motivation is really, really important to recover from disappointments. So where your family fit in around recovering from, from the lows, and Jenny mentioned in an elite sport, you often have more lows than highs. But the family are there to kind of lift you up and tell you they believe in you and you know let you cry on their shoulder if they need to. Um, and, and they help with the recovery, but they can't prevent the disappointment and they can't they can't do it for you, but they can do it with you. When it comes to elite athletes, family support is only good to a certain point. Yeah, I think it's a very hard balancing act for parents to get right. Um, and I've done a lot, a lot of work with the parents of, of young athletes over the years. And often there's the misperception that the more they do for their athletes, you know, like making their lunch or getting their snacks ready or packing their bag for them, that it will, it will allow them to focus then on the pitch. But actually the inverse is true. The more you do for your athlete that they're capable of doing for themselves, the more helplessness you create. So what you end up with is an athlete who, as they progress through their sport and start going abroad more to competitions and their parents aren't with them all the time, they really struggle. Um, so where where parental involvement, I think, is optimal and there's research from uh, there's a great piece of research from Dave Collins and Anya McNamara around the, the characteristics of super champions, um, it's called. They say that parents are involved, but separate. 
Um, and when they looked at the people who almost made it but didn't quite make it, their parents were driving the whole thing. They were the ones, you know, setting the alarm at 5 a.m. to get their child up to bring them to the swimming pool rather than, the, you know, the, the better practice would be allowing the child to set their own alarm and wake their parent up. And it's a subtle difference, but it's a very different motivational profile. In terms of the dynamics of a family, if you have one child who shows great skill in a particular sport, but there are other children as well, how does having an elite athlete in a family affect the whole family? It's a tricky dynamic for parents to to balance. Um, um, But there's a funny thing that you often find, and there's a, a little bit of research around there, that often you'll find it's not the firstborn in a family that ends up being the successful sports person. It's, and although they get all the attention and they get all the resources put around them, it's the ones who are dragged along and are sitting on the sideline and absorbing it all, but in a less directed way, tend to actually progress further. So it's a funny dynamic how that works in the, the order of birth does influence sometimes progression in sport. Now, Jenny sport is an individual sport. What is the difference in terms of family support when it comes to uh, somebody competing individually or with a team? Yeah, there's quite a difference, I think, in the way the family kind of wraps around the athlete. Um, And especially in quite a minority sport like Jenny's, the family are usually how the athlete got into it. And, you know, it's it's rare that someone would accidentally fall into canoeing unless there was some kind of history there um, with their family. So the family tend to have been involved at an earlier stage and potentially have their own history in the sport as Jenny's family do. Um, And often the family in an individual sport almost take the place that teammates take in a team sport because you'll find athletes in a team. They have that emotional bond of sharing the highs and lows together. An individual athlete doesn't have that level of support. So their family often have a stronger presence in that respect. I think Jenny wanted her family to share and own her medal as well. How common is that, particularly for an elite athlete like herself? Yeah, it's really common. Um, and, and again, it, t- it sort of ties into motivational theory. The, the things that predict long term engagement in sport are a feeling of autonomy, which is the freedom to make your own decisions, a feeling of competence that you're reasonably good at it and a feeling of relatedness that you have a group around you that you identify with, that you have strong bonds with. And in an individual sport, the family are often that create that feeling of relatedness and you can absolutely see it in Jenny's setup with her parents you know traveling to competitions and her brother and her fiance coaching that that feeling of relatedness with her family and sharing in her achievements um, and her disappointments with them is a big part of what's kept her in the sport as long as she has. Eric Donovan is a boxer from a thigh. He was an Olympic hopeful but he didn't make the London or Rio games. He's retired from amateur boxing But now he's back as a professional. He's painted in a mural at his club St. Joseph's by the artist Sullis. And I stepped outside with him to have a little look. Um, Honestly, it was a bit embarrassing first because I come out of a club that there's so much success from. Uh, So many great boxers, Olympians, world medalists. It's just incredible. The list goes on and on. And any of them could have been up there, done you know, that wall and... uh, so for me, it was a little bit embarrassed at the start and a little bit shocked. But to actually have that mural there in your own backyard, so to speak. That's like, special. That's special. Yeah, it is. Because I had all my family and friends up here at the launch and most of the community came out here. This is a Flinters, Flinters Close, Flint, mm. Flinters Field. Um, and then all of the, the surrounding areas, Castle Park, Carberry Park, Towns Park, all that. But like the whole community kind of came out for that day. 
what age were you when you first walked through these doors here in the boxing club? I was seven, Brenda, and 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 I started swinging out a bag before before boxing it. And um, I remember Dom actually let such a roar at me; I nearly fell off the bag. Dom is the coach. Dom really is the coach. coach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Dom let yeah. a roar at me; I nearly <laughs> fell off the bag. And to punish me, he told me to get the headguard and gloves on. Got into this makeshift ring. I was in the, no, the old nuns hall in St Michael's down there, Skull Michael Nefe in a tie and. Uh, I think it was he tried to maybe teach me some sort of maybe punishment or lesson but I took to this like a duck to water and I was dodging and ducking and diving I was only seven I loved it absolutely loved it and from then on I just you know I kept coming back and he, he spoke to my mother who didn't want my mother didn't want me at the boxing club at all it's too dangerous and all but he, he kind of convinced her to kind of allow me to keep going and to be honest with you I owe an awful lot to Dom Dominic O'Rourke my coach because you know when you hit 14 and 15 teenage years you discover all the other kind of cool things and you know, I wanted to be hanging out with the with the girls and the boys yeah. and dossing around and you know um, unfortunately for me like at a very young age as well I kind of went down the wrong path and kind of got involved with drinking drugs and lost interest in boxing and you know I, I, I don't know where I'd be now if it wasn't for Dominic O'Rourke It's very interesting Right lads we go back in now. We go inside with Jack and Troy, Eric's sons, and his fiance Laura. Like I say, it was always it was always dumb. Like my my mother used to be blue in the face as well. Like you know what I mean, blue in the face, trying to like talk a bit of sense into me and all that. But like I said, you know, it was it was tough. It was tough on her as well. Such a huge family, and my dad, you know, and my mother separated when I was only a child as well. So he moved to England. So it was tough on my mother. Um, so um, so dumb kind of um, dumb kind of uh was a was a kind of a father figure and a mentor and a, in a way he was a counsellor and a friend your mother couldn't get through to no. you so how did he get through to you I don't know I kind of had a different respect for Dom maybe because like what we shared in the, in the boxing and him standing in the corner and you know he's the last kind of words of wisdom you hear before you before you hear that bell to come out and fight you know you kind of have that rapport and that relationship and um there's it's built on and founded and grounded on a on a real respect and and, and trust and uh, so when he'd come around I'd, i i used to feel more disappointed for letting him down than my mother down in a way um, but he'd come and he'd sit down in the house and he'd drink tea and and he'd remind me like you know of how good i was and like i didn't hear these words before so but when he'd leave the house i'd be back up in the mirror shadow boxing and then i'd be back in the club the next night because I'd be buzzing. But he'd done that so many times. And in a way, pulled me through the storm and the turbulence and held me up until I finally got it. And he never gave up. Can you tell us what happened with the London Olympics? Well, I suppose the Beijing Olympics, I was so close, but yet so far. One fight away. I boxed to qualify and I didn't qualify. And I just put it down to inexperienced I was 22 that time and I was young and I said right four more years Dom told me as well four more years London is your time you'll be 26 you'll be coming into your prime you'll be really peaking and then in 2011 a couple of weeks out before the final training camp for qualification I went out with a few friends and you know a couple of hours went into a few more hours and just kind of crazy went back to a bit of a party and got into a fight with a guy and broke my left hand um and it was just devastating, absolutely devastating. Who were you devastated for more? Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was devastated for a lot of for the people that put a lot of work into me. The high performance team, um, Dom 
and, and, and of course my family. I used to dream of my family have, you know, shedding tears of joy and being so proud and, you know, create good memories. But I was a bit lost, you know, and I, I, I remember get, I used to justify the reasons for my behavior at the times, like, I, you know, blaming educational systems and my dad leaving home and this type of stuff, growing up in a tough environment and all that, you know, and putting it down to kind of justifying my my, 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 my behavior, unhealthy behavior. But at that point in my life then, I stopped blaming everybody and started blaming myself. And I got so low at that time that, um, yeah, didn't didn't want to be around there anymore because I kind of felt like the only thing I... I kind of felt like my boxing became my whole identity. It was all I was. I didn't know anything else about myself. So the one thing, the one thing that I believed I was and the one thing I knew I was good at was boxing. And now I was failing at that too. And when I went into that kind of dark place, I discovered strength and courage that I never knew I even existed. And I was able to kind of seek help, professional help. And, uh, it's something that I've um, have continued to do ever since that. I finished my boxing career on a very sour note, like a, a kind of a. I wasn't satisfied or content, um, so I said I'd never been been as healthy. I've never been as free in terms of like the shackles of you know that used to bound me down. And I'm mature, and I've a bit of an education to fall back on. So I'm not like the bo- boxing is not the you know I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. And I said let's pick the pen back up here and write the closing chapters to my own story, you know? And that was it. And here I am, nine fights in, undefeated, Irish champion. I read recently when you won the Irish featherweight professional title, you said having your family come into the ring after getting a picture meant everything. I won that on the Saturday night. It was the day before Mother's Day. I dedicated that win to my mother, you know, because she's been there through all of the kind of the highs and the lows. Because I remember the dark places that I was in. I do remember... Um, been in places where I felt like I might never throw another punch again. In the dressing room, Jack said to me afterwards, he goes, oh my God, Dad, I'm so proud. You are brilliant. I'm so proud to have you as my dad. And that, to me, just summed it up. Eric Donovan there, very inspirational. And Kate Kirby, Head of Performance Psychology at Sport Institute, uh, has been listening to Eric. And uh, Kate... The coach, Dominic O'Rourke, was really important to Eric as a boxer, but also as a young man. Is that common that coaches can become almost like family figures to many young people they coach? Yeah, I think it's a really key skill of a, of a coach is not just their technical expertise, but their ability to engage with their athletes, get to know them, get to know their fears, their motivators, their desires, their goals, and really relate to them to get the best out of them. And you, you see as athletes progress from you know young athletes up through development stage to senior elite athletes that actually the technical expertise becomes less important and the ability to be a mentor and a sounding board and a, a almost a moral compass sometimes becomes more important. So those soft skills of a coach are absolutely critical and it sounds like Dominic delivered those really well with Eric. Neither of these outstanding athletes have made it to an Olympics, though Jenny is battling to get through to Tokyo. But how does this effort and this disappointment shape a young person? Yeah, I think Eric summed it up really well, actually, when he talked about his own 
response to to not making the London games where his initial reaction had historically been to blame things, to blame his family situation of his dad not being around or blame education. And it forced him to reassess things and to take responsibility for his own performance and his own development and his own decisions. And I think that's absolutely critical that if, if you respond to a setback by blaming something else, it's very hard to change anything that's not in your control. Whereas if you look really deep into your heart and say, what could I have done better? I think you'll get a good outcome from that disappointment. Finally, Kate, of all our athletes qualified for Tokyo 2020, that could be nearly 150 athletes, which would be fantastic. Uh, but that's also 150 families. So what are the common traits that these athletes and their families all share? The biggest thing they'll all have shared are a lot of sacrifices over the years to get there. Um, financially, you know, work-wise, relationships, friendships. Um, but also then there's a, a big upside is they get this amazing experience that so few people get to experience. And it's it's almost like living life in technicolor with the highs and lows rather than just in black and white, like the average person on the street whose emotional um, range isn't maybe as wide. Um, and, and I think ultimately it came across with what Jenny said and Eric said, it's the feeling of pride, of uh, that all those sacrifices have been worthwhile and that the knowledge that you could do it and you finally proven that you have done it by getting there, I think there must be an unbelievable feeling of satisfaction for the people who've supported them for so long. Kate Kirby there, Head of Performance Psychology at the Sport Ireland Institute. Thank you very much, Kate. Thanks, Brenda. And that's all for this edition of Like Family. Thanks to Jenny and Eric and their families. Thank you for listening. And this programme was produced by Eileen Hearn. For more information, check out rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash like family.